In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. This time, there's as much chance of us getting behind a desk as there is of me finding a different podcast guest. And that guest is Jay Hanna. Jay, is Dick Tracy a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? Well, Warren Beatty wants to make a sequel, but he's like 90 now, so I call remake. So you think it should be remade? It should be remade. All right. Great. Jay, why don't you tell uh, the people listening a little bit about yourself? Hey, everybody. My name is Jay Hanna. Uh, I'm a uh, independent movie director slash location manager for network television shows. I love watching movies and judging them. So this is a perfect opportunity, and I want to thank the host, Sam, for bringing me out here to judge these movies. What's the most recent movie that you saw and then judged? Well, I recently saw Hellboy in theaters. I saw it in theaters. Theaters, the new remake of Hellboy. Despite my uh, advice, advice to not do that. Yes, backstory. Fact, Sam warned me in, against it. In spite of my advice <laughs> not to see this movie. For a little bit more backstory, it was either this or Shazam. And I went and saw Hellboy. And I gotta be honest, I know everyone's hating on it, but it is a fantastic bag popcorn movie. And people should go see it in theaters so that they make a sequel to this fantastic bad popcorn movie. Absolutely not. I think that if it's a movie that bad, it's a movie that should be enjoyed with friends at home so you can laugh and make fun of it while you're watching it instead of sitting in a theater where if you do that, you shouldn't talk during the the during the movie. Well, to be fair, I was in a theater of two, so I think I could have played a ukulele and the other guy who was asleep wouldn't have cared. He was asleep in the movie? He was asleep. I don't even know why he was there. Ugh. I mean, I can't imagine Hellboy was particularly relaxing. It was not. But it was fun, it was frivolous, it was very much like the comic, and not Ron Perlman did a really good job. I look forward to you getting uh, destroyed by people who hate your opinion. <laughs> I welcome it. So tell me a little bit about your experience with the movie Dick Tracy. So I don't even remember when I saw Dick Tracy for the first time, but I was very young and I instantly fell in love with it. I'm a big comic book fan, I'm a giant geek. Dick Tracy, the comics... Didn't really have an effect on my life until after I saw the movie and fell in love with it. Also, when I was younger, I had a ridiculous crush on Madonna, which played a lot into why I love Dick Tracy so much. I can see that. Interesting note. The only video game ever released was the original Dick Tracy game for Game Boy starring Madonna. The only video game ever released what? With Madonna. Oh, with Madonna. Okay, got it. Which makes it amazing. additional information. Yes. (laughs) Interesting. That's a weird fact. (laughs) It is. And then after watching the movie and then falling in love with it, I started going back and reading a lot of Chester Gould's uh, comic strips. And they're fantastic and they are weird because he loved technology. So he, the the two-way wrist communicators, two-way televisions, he was just trying to get ahead of the times when it came to technology. And then uh, fell in love with the space era. So there was Dick Dick Tracy Tracy in in space. space. Wow. I I didn't know that either, and that's... Oh, that's a good fact. I haven't seen a lot of the Dick Tracy in space, and then when he retired, the assistants who took over for him basically erased space from Dick Tracy's really? life. Yeah. Like, can you still find it 
So I mean, it's the internet. I mean, they they erased it in canon. So one of the characters that had like space antennas all of a sudden got a new haircut that hid the antenna. Of course. So it's a it's it's a fun comic to go through. Good. It was also uh, heavily protested against by parents groups because it was considered very violent for the time. Well, I can see that based on the movie. I mean, certainly people get shot at. But, so, this movie, theoretically, I was looking up the numbers and it's sort of a success. I mean, it made enough money that it, like, recouped its losses. But, like, you were talking, because we watched this movie together, and you were talking to me a little bit about how this movie was, like, produced by Warren Beatty. This is, like, the Warren Beatty love child of a movie. How did that happen? So, when the rights bounced around for years, Warren Beatty got attached. I'm going to call him Warren from now on, like we're friends. So, Warren got attached, uh, and they were looking for other directors, but they couldn't nail anyone down. Um, the Tim Burton passed to do Edward Scissorhands. They went to Steven Probably Spielberg. Probably a wise choice. Probably a very wise choice. They went to Steven Spielberg, they went to a bunch of other directors, but Warren Beatty has always said, when it comes to movies he starred in, if he can't find who he wants and it's just easier, he'll direct it himself. <laughs> says a lot about Warren Beatty. That does um, say a lot about Warren Beatty. But he, he loved the content, he loved the script that he had that a lot of people didn't, and he had a lot of Warren Beatty opinions. Yeah. Because here's the thing about this movie, it is stylistically fantastic. Everything looks unique and wonderful, and it look it looks unlike any movie I've ever seen, really. So what's really great about Dick Tracy is they only used they only used seven primary colors, and then very distinct, bright, saturated colors that you only found in the original comic. That's why it's so wholly unique. Those aren't really colors you see on the screen because they're very, like, jarring to the eye. So they made that choice. Interesting. It's also one of the last Hollywood movies to use matte paintings all over the place. Yeah. I think when we were watching, we talked about how, like, these matte paintings are gorgeous. I mean, like, I love matte painting in movies. Like, you can always tell, but it's always great. Like, one of my favorite matte paintings, and I mentioned this while we were watching this, is in Coming to America, which has this amazing, like, castle but it's just a matte painting and it's wonderful and oh. those artists need to be given more to do because they're fantastic artists oh it's it's beautiful and it, it worked so well with the fact that it was a comic book movie just giving it a very unique and specific look the problem with the unique and very specific look which also troubled the studio is it ballooned the budget yeah and the deal was warren Beatty got i don't remember 25 30 million dollars to make the movie and anything over the 25 35 million dollars would come out of his producer director actor fee and i think the not including marketing i think the budget balloons to something like 45 million wow so part of me feels like along the way there were a lot of negotiations and renegotiations to make this movie happen because at the end of the day this movie cost 47 million dollars not including the marketing. Not, of course. Budgets never include the marketing. You can normally double this for the sense of mar- sake of marketing. But, like, opening weekend in the United States is $22 million. Mm. It grossed 103 and then worldwide 162 And then, obviously, it's become a little bit of a cult classic since then. So it did recoup its losses. But that's not a good opening weekend. No, it did not recoup its losses in a way that the studio appreciated. Even though there was the thoughts of turning it into, like, an Indiana Jones-esque franchise... 
movie two, movie three, movie four, which is what Warren, my good friend Warren, really wanted to do. <laughs> I mean, as recently as 2017, Warren Beatty was talking about a sequel to Dick Tracy. Wow. Yeah. He loves this movie. He does, a lot. Um, I mean, of course he does. He's the... it. It makes him feel like Dick Tracy. This, like, he gets to play this character who I imagine he grew up with. And let's actually talk about the plot a little bit. So the basic plot of this movie is uh, Detective Tracy, because or is his first name Dick? Dick. It. Uh, it is Dick. Detective Dick, Dick. Tracy. Yes. As just he's just real good. He's stopping crime in the city, but then crime gets worse because oh, because the mayor's helping it because the mayor is being paid off the da the da da fletcher of course da fletcher is getting paid off and uh, basically the big mob boss ends up getting whacked by al pacino because if any mob boss is going to get whacked by someone it's going to be al pacino that's how we do of course and then dick tracy's trying to like not propose to his girlfriend but she's like you should propose to me and like stop putting yourself in a situation where you're going to get shot you're 40 something well, Dick Tracy's a hard detective. He doesn't do anything soft. He doesn't do, doesn't do women soft, doesn't do kids soft, doesn't do crime soft. So, of course, he does a lot of soft things in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Character development. He, uh, he's dating this woman. He's flirted with by another woman. And then, uh, hey, there's a kid. Yoink. <laughs> I'm gonna keep that one. It is a fantastic, and it is a very straightforward good guy versus bad guy movie. Yeah. Um, and like any good... Good guy versus bad guy movie. The bad guys are fantastic. Oh, there's they're the faces and the weird prosthetics they put on all of these people are ridiculous. And most of them are very true to the original comic book. Uh, Al Pacino's character being the one exception because he wanted some say in how he looked and didn't want to be so fat. Didn't he kill the character that was the fat character? And then is he supposed to come in and be an even fatter character? He was an even fatter character. Wait, so literally in the comics, Lips Manless is the fat one because Breathless Mahoney makes a comment of, uh, well, you used to like seeing me eat. Yeah, but now you're gross. And then Al Pacino comes in and, and kills that guy, Al Pacino's character being named Big Boy Big Boys. Oh, I guess it makes sense. Big Boy being multiple titles. Because he's a big boy. Yeah. And then he's the big he's boy. The big boy. Interestingly enough, Flat Top, played by William Forsythe, was in the comics the main antagonist to Dick Tracy. And then you find out that he's actually working for, or... No, like, he's just the main antagonist. He's, like, just one of the main antagonists. Because there were so many bad guys, and they all had their own individual kind of thing. And there was, like, a larger crime mob kind of thing. Uh, but Flat Top was, like, his main back and forth. But it's a standard Batman thing in the sense that, like, he has his rogues gallery, and even though he keeps defeating them and putting them away, they keep getting out and causing more crime. Yes. Got even it. though there was a lot of death in the original comic book. Yeah? Um, and I keep saying comic book, and I apologize. Uh, comic fine. strip. There was a lot Because of... it's a newspaper comic. Yes. We should specify that. We should specify. Because it wasn't like a comic book comic. It's like a... No, no. When Dick Tracy first came out, uh, I believe it had three to six frames. At its height, it was a full-page newspaper, 12-frame, and then when newspapers were dying the first, second, or third time in the last 80 years, they scaled it back down to a five- or six-frame. Got it. Is Dick Tracy still running? I don't know. My guess is no, well, but Chester, there's Chester Gould a... is definitely long retired. Long, long since. Um, but I mean, there certainly are comics that have been running that long. Yes. 
I mean, you do the walk near the Hollywood sign and you see the house that, uh, that newspaper comic about the night built. That I don't know. I'm looking it up. You should look it up because I'm confused. But while you Google, so Dick Tracy was also unique that yes, characters would die, characters would grow up, but Dick would always solve, solve the crime using like forensic analysis, which was very unique. And then it would usually resolve, resolve itself in a gunfight. So forensic analysis, but then gunfight, which is where a lot of parents groups came in and said, it's too violent. It's too violent. It's like, well, it is a detective shooting some really weird looking bad guys. Yeah. No. The name of the newspaper comic is Prince Valiant. Oh, okay. Yes. Prince Valiant. So there's an area of Los Angeles near the Hollywood sign, which is a bunch of like kind of nice houses. And there's uh, some walks you can do around there because it's hilly and there's stairs and it's a cool place to walk around. Hmm. And one of the houses has a giant Prince Valiant print painted on the side. Oh, wow. And it's because the person who owns the house is either the son or the creator of the Prince Valiant newspaper comics. Oh. Which is from a time when newspaper comics made bank. Oh, yeah. Wow. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. I have to keep an eye out. It's a, uh, it's a cool place to look. Basically, the other thing that happens is Lips Manless was dating a well-known popular singer named Breathless Mahoney because she takes your breath away. Played expertly by the amazing Madonna. She does great. I guess. <laughs> Expertly. <laughs> and, but Big Boy Caprice takes over and he's like, well, you're my girl now. And Breathless Mahoney sees Dick Tracy doing something and just became becomes fascinated with him. And he keeps trying to get her to flip on Big Boy Caprice, but she's like, no, I won't do it because he'll kill me. I'll only do it if you say you love me. And he's like, I'm, I'm seeing someone. You're very pretty. But I'm like, I'm seeing Tess Trueheart. We've got like a thing going. So Breathless obviously has some daddy issues. Oh, for sure. There is definitely an age disparity between anyone who's female and anyone who's male in this movie. It's a shame, though, that she couldn't direct those feelings of abandonment to Big Boy. Because I think they would have had a better, even though not really good relationship well i think that that's kind of how she wants all those relationships to start i think she's attracted to power because she it as lips manless said she was into him at first and then he got fat and she got bored with him and i feel like big boy caprice could have been more interesting for her except that he immediately starts treating her poorly and he like starts having like an aspect on every like like slapping her moving her around like the scene where he's choreographing one of her bits is so uncomfortable to watch because a he's hideous and also it he's like moving her like forcibly moving her around and it's one of those things where it honestly feels like it looks like Madonna is having a miserable time getting shoved around by Al Pacino. Well, Al Pacino just perfectly captures the I am a dangerous mob boss, but I'm also a little bit nuts. Yes. Really well. Yeah. So that scene plays out so perfectly because you've got this, this manager of a club essentially is what he is. Just physically moving around the talent, singing along poorly, even though in his head he's amazing. (laughs) Of course he is. And everyone should be annoyed, but also fear him for the many murders he has committed and could commit. 
Speaking of discovering people hidden in the floorboards of things, if you hear any weird noises in the background of today's episode, it's because the building across the street from me is literally being demolished as we're recording. But you know me, the show must go on. Show must go on! And also because I think it's funny. It is funny. Mostly because it's been standing there undemolished for what now, like two years? I don't know. Well, people have gone in and out, but they recently, like a month or so ago, put up a notice said, we're going to destroy the building across the street. And I'm like, okay, cool. When? Turns out this morning, hey, wake up, Sam, we're destroying the building across the street from you. Hey, hey, hey. And so I got to watch a building get destroyed for a little bit. And now every morning you get to wake up to what I imagine is giant apartment building on tiny land being built. L.A. housing crisis. But I actually think, I, I like watching that. I think that's kind of cool. But the the kind of course of the story is Big Boy Caprice is trying to unify all the gangs in the city so they can kind of run the town, monopoly on gang violence. He's in control. Anyone who says, you're not in control, gets violently destroyed. Moited, even. I would say moited. And ain't no one gonna flim-flam Big Boy Caprice. No flim-flamming. <laughs> <laughs> and... And it's sort of working. And he's kind of like turning the town against Dick Tracy because Dick Tracy keeps trying to arrest the gang members and he keeps trying to gaslight the city and say, we're just trying to do what's best for the city and we're trying to have everyone have a good time. We're not bad guys. You're bad guys. Even though the movie literally opens with a flat top coming in and shooting uh, nuts to you, Dick Tracy, or something like that. Or so die, Tracy. Yeah, yeah, it's something where like clearly anyone who's paying attention is oh no, Dick Tracy's the good guy and these guys are the bad guys. Nah, the the story paints a very clear black and white good guys versus bad guys that for some reason gets muddled in gray. But like any other non playable character, average citizens apparently are idiots. Yes. Meanwhile, Dick Tracy and his save the cat moment gets robbed or pickpocketed or something and the kid runs back to his dad and the dad's like beating the kid he's like yeah you're a shitty kid and dick tracy like comes in and beats that guy up and says all right kid you're coming with me and he feeds the kid and the kid just is always hungry because he's a poor kid and poor children just need to eat so the kid just just need the food he just he's all he's just wants to eat all the time and this kid just keeps following dick tracy around and ends up being the real hero of the story yeah, even though, to be fair, he did kidnap a child. He for sure kidna- literally kidnapped a child. And because Dick Tracy can do almost no wrong, no one seems to really question it until the woman from the, uh, from the orphanage shows up and she's like, Why won't you give me this child? Why is everyone standing in my way from doing right by this kid who keeps getting shot at because of Dick Tracy? Yeah, and yeah. It's a, it's a conundrum, but in our stylized world, we've just decided that we're cool with it. We have. Warren Beatty made a movie where everything revolves around him being awesome. Correct. It's clearly a, you, I kind of have a problem with like people who are producers or directors of the work that they themselves are starring in because it always paints them in too good a light to the cost, honestly, sometimes of the quality of the movie. Anyway, uh, so one of the other things that's kind of happening is, like, Dick Tracy is kind of struggling dealing with uh, Big Boy Caprice, but then there's, like, this weird faceless guy who's, like, who has the worst voice. Like, it 
kept taking me out of the movie because the the way the that character sounded the entire course of the movie was like he sounded something like this and I couldn't determine why it sounded so familiar and I eventually I landed on did you ever see the movie Black Cauldron yes it sounded like the weird little hairy buddy with munchins and quenchins in here somewhere else. And then it just has those weird kind of like back of the verse kind of sound. See, I'm kind of hearing Lord of the Rings. It's a little bit smeargly. Yeah. I yeah. get that. But it's obviously pre that. So I'm trying to like trying to find something from around that era, like trying to figure out who that voice actor was. He is not over-exaggerating. He would not be quiet about this the entire... As soon as so like No weird. Face showed up, Sam was upset. The character's name is No Face? I think it's No Face. I've seen Spirited Away. <laughs> uh, but, and, and so, like, No Face is kind of taking down Big Boy Caprice, and we think No Face is like, well, I'm the real big bad. And then, spoiler alert, it just turns out to be Breathless Mahoney. <gasps> but here's the thing. Everyone in this movie looks so stylized and weird that the dude with no face, I just assumed that that was just a dude with no face. I had no reason to believe it was someone in a mask. None. I it. I just assumed it was just another weirdo. Which is why this movie is amazing. Is it the reason? It is one of the many reasons. Listen, no face, faceless, whatever we call it, had yes. some very odd motivations. Even after you find out that it was breathless, there's still a lot of horrible motivations for how she did things. Yeah. But... You and many others didn't make the association that it was, in fact, Madonna. Yeah. Which is a good thing for a movie. It's true. It's a twist I did not see coming. And now that we've spoiled it, neither did you. The movie came out in 1990. Yeah, I'm sure we're fine. Go see the movie. I mean, yeah. I will, when we do the mini episode, I'll say, go see this movie. Because I always say that. But who knows who does the homework. <laughs> but basically, like, the No Face uh, convinces 88 Keys, which is Madonna's pianist... He, she, like, picks him because he's manipulatable to, like, get feed information back and forth to Big Boy. Because she's basically trying to take down Big Boy, but also trying to have him not kill Dick Tracy. Because Madonna's in love with Dick Tracy. Which, by the way, if she was successful and Dick Tracy's life got so easy that he could have both Tess and Madonna, I don't know if that was her endgame. Um, I think her endgame was for him to ditch Tess Trueheart. And just be his one true gal. Sure. But let's... Breathless would have been bored with not exciting killing bad guys to Tracy in about a day and a half. Oh, yeah. What, like, uh, she doesn't realize it, but she just wanted the one quick fling and she's done. Oh, yeah. It's a one and done situation. It's, uh... Needs the excitement. Anyway. And that's kind of the movie. Yeah, it like, is. There's, there's Dick Tracy... Plants a bug in a like it's a bug in a in, in Big Boy Caprice's operation and like kind of figures out how to take him down and all these other things and it's a it's back and forth good guys versus bad guys standard mob movie but like cartoonish and stylized. It, if you like that, you will like this movie. Sit down and watch it. Sounds about right. So what are we gonna do with this movie? We're gonna remake them. Yes, thank you. So what are the aspects of this movie that you think are so important that need to be kept? I think everything related to the production design could be kept. I agree with that. I think That's we should important. I think we should modernize the movie but with the same palette, the same background, the same world. 
production designer, whose name I can't remember, I apologize, made a point of saying they shouldn't go out on location. These should all be set, set builds and backlot to really capture that look. The production designer is named Richard Silbert. Thank you. And he did a fantastic job. This is a beautiful, gritty, hard-nosed detective movie, and we shouldn't change that. And Richard Silbert, who unfortunately passed away in 2002... May he rest in peace. Probably also grew up with the comic book. But, like, he did other movies. He did a lot of Madonna music videos, which is kind of funny. Uh, He did Dick Tracy. He did Shoot to Kill. More Madonna music videos. Breathless, Francis, Partners, Chinatown. Oh. Chinatown's a good movie. Tack 22. Rosemary's Baby. Oh. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. How to Murder Your Wife, mm. Manchurian Candidate. So he was making some really stylized, fantastic movies before we were born. Yes. Yeah. Born in 1928. Woo! So a lot of the movies that he makes is just like, oh, you're making movies about uh, the 30s? Let me tell you what it was like. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. I definitely think we need to embrace that. We can't lose that. Absolutely not. Um, when do you want to set this movie? Ooh, that's rough and tumble. Because when is the movie mm. set now? It's one of those kinds of things where I think it's, like, floating between the... Alternate universe, muddled timeline. 20s, 30s, 40s. The thing I want to avoid is I want to avoid kind of, like, uh, uh, the spirit, where it looks like the 20s, 30s, 40s, and then she pulls out a cell phone. Oh, yeah, no, I think we need to have some Brought to you by Nokia. (laughs) Right. We need to have some ambiguous uh, technology, uh, because we do need the two-way wristwatch. Yeah, I, I think it's like a... A retro, it's a retro futuristic kind of movie. So it's like, it's a 50s era, but with retro futuristic technology. So I would set it kind of around then, but then, you know, make it not exclusively white. Yes, a little more diversity would help. Um, the problem with Dick Tracy, if we embrace the style, is we can't really pull it up in decades because of how distinct 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s were. And, we would lose a lot of that. And part of Dick Tracy tone. is that fedora and the long coat. Yellow I mean, though they may be. I mean, I guess we could set it in modern times and Dick Tracy is a hipster, but I don't want to no, do that. No one wants that. Nobody wants no that. No one's at asking all. for that. And also, do we have to wait for Warren Beatty to die so he's not involved? No, he could be a executive producer who comes to set it the first day and everyone claps and then we never see him again. Okay, alright. I'm okay with that. Okay, um I I absolutely agree with the production design. I would also make it a little bit more female-friendly. It's a fairly misogynistic movie. Let's get rid of the misogyny. Yeah, and the uh, the age discrepancy between all of the love interests. I cast older for all of these people. I did for some. I maintained Breathless's age discrepancy. There's something about... I, Breathless I also kept younger. Yeah. But I think, yes, I think everyone else I kind of upped a little. Yeah. We'll get into that, too, because I made some other changes. I did, too. Uh, but, so let's, other than the misogyny of the movie, what other aspects of this movie would you change? What What do you think is important for you to do right or do differently? Well, the core element of the story, I really do like. I like the, the good guys versus bad guys, but we've kind of have that Dick Tracy will never cross the line, even though he crosses the line all the time. So I'd like to see a little more muddled gray in our version. Absolutely. I agree with that as well. I'd like a Dick Tracy that can make mistakes rather than mistakes just happen around him. Yeah, I think creating Dick Tracy as this 
ideal man, which I'm sure is how Warren Beatty sees himself. Himself, I, not Dick Tracy. Correct. <laughs> I that's honestly I I agree with that too. I think it's more interesting if it's not about trying to gaslight the public into believing that Dick Tracy is really not working towards their interest. Is they're taking advantage of a mistake that Dick Tracy makes. He arrests the wrong guy. He busts into the wrong place. He gets he gets tricked into breaking down the wrong door and arresting the wrong people. I think that would be important. Yeah, because let's not lie here. Uh, the Dick Tracy in this movie is not afraid to push one step further. And there is pushback from the DA. The problem is the DA is on the take. Yeah, which uh, is a trope of mob movies. At some point in every movie, some figure of power needs to be on the take. That's how it works. Someone's taking the take. Yes. Would you still have the DA be on the take? Oh, definitely be on the take. But I I would say that's not the only thing that muddles Dick Tracy's line. I mean, he searches without warrants and he busts people's doors that don't need to be busted. And I mean, there is an interrogation scene that could be akin to torture. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I want I want everyone to know that he is not sacrosanct, that he is a fallible character. And let's play with that. Now, how do you want to deal with the kid? Oh, there's kids still in there. I think so. I think so, too. too. Because, obviously, it's like, it's a movie. It's a comic. It's a movie for kids. So we need to have a kid. And, honestly, the kid in this movie was pretty good. As far as child actors are concerned, this kid did a wonderful job. It's just just a kid. And just being in places the kid shouldn't be in. So I think that that should be a bigger... Did you ever see Jackie Chan Adventures? Yes. You know how uh, that... Jade. Jade. So, as an adult watching that show, going back, I'm like, oh, I I hate Jade. But basically what would happen is Jackie would say, no, you have to stay here where it's safe. You guys, keep her here, protect her, make sure she doesn't get into trouble and get hurt. And they said, okay. And then Jade would get out, get in trouble, and end up helping save the day by getting involved. That's what I think needs to happen. I think we need to have a Jade situation in this movie. Protect the kid... Kid gets out anyway and helps. Yes. As opposed to some parts of this movie where Dick turns to to Kid, who eventually becomes Dick Tracy Jr. Uh, and says, it's let's so go! weird. I'm not okay with Dick Tracy Jr. at all. And literally, he like puts the, literally puts the kid in the line of fire. Oh, yeah. The, listen, there's child endangerment. There's misogyny. There's lady beating. This is a interesting movie. Yes. That could take a modern spin. And I think we can handle a lot of that with with how we cast and how we write the dialogue. A lot of these female characters shouldn't be an accessory to Dick's ridiculousness, but should be constantly kind of giving the pushback. So at this point, I'm going to bring this up. Hit me. I did a couple gender flips. I did one or two myself. My Dick Tracy's female. (gasps) It's Detective Tracy. Eh? 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 Is her name Tracy Dick? That'd be funny. It would be funny. But, because I feel like part of what makes the style, I mean, you take the comic characters and it's kind of just the way they were drawn, but I think it'd be more interesting if, especially if we deal with this world the way it is written and the way it was created, I think you could, like, a lot of these characters could be stylized in different ways. Ways of misogyny or 
well, actually, mansplaining, gaslighting, whatever. And, like, every single one of them could be, like, a different form of that. And especially because it's an era where that was very prevalent, you can kind of shine a, put, hang a lamp, hang a whatever. Spotlight? Sure. Spotlight it and say, hey, here's a thing that was going on, but here's a hero who's kind of, like, trying to stop it. So, I made my Dick Tracy female. And because of that, I I made my kid uh, female as well. I made my kid female, but kept my Dick Tracy male. Test true heart and breathless Mahoney, though, I left female. Yeah, as they should be. As they should be. Only because it's on your list that way. Right. I'm excited. What other aspects, like, what do you want to deal with in terms of plot? Because Big Boy's just kind of trying to take over the city. Is that kind of still what we want? I want to keep the core element of the story. I want to keep... Because it's interesting. Because... You have all these different mob factions that Big Boy wants to bring together to take on the police and take on the city hall, even though they're kind of on the take. Um, and his his way of doing it is so interesting because he's like, we'll legitimize ourselves. We'll be legitimate criminals. We'll get our hand in everyone's like pocket around the city. And I think we just take that, but we kind of play with it a little. Okay. Kind of make it a little more nefarious. Give me examples. Um, well, like, for, for instance, I want to see a little more of the street-level interaction. He has, there are so many goons in this movie. I want to see... Oh, the, I did not cast. Oh, no, I did not recast 21, 24... 21 character actors? Yes, no. no, I'm not doing that. Um, I did one or two. Uh, but I want to see them <laughs> in the streets interacting with the world around them. The public plays such a big part of the movie, and we never really see the public. They're just kind of like background sticks that's true i i personally wouldn't mind if we had some more street level interaction we see a lot of big boys big machinations let's see a little bit on the ground see how he's affecting i mean the most we see of the public are the people who are attending the parties so people probably aren't that great like oh well big boy throws the best parties we're having an amazing time meanwhile like people are starving on the street so uh dick finds himself in this diner over and over and over again I'd like to see a little bit of action in the diner. Yeah. I agree with that. I'd like to see a little... And I didn't even think to recast the the diner people, like the person behind the counter. I didn't. But I just want to see something happen in the diner. I want to see a little bit of, like, the behind the scenes between the 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 diner owner and the thugs. Yeah. That might result in a fantastic-looking diner shootout. Because I just love diner shootouts. And honestly, because that's exactly the sort of small business that... Big Boy would try to uh, extort. Get a nickel for the donut here, a dime for the steak dinner here, you know. Exactly. Yeah, the way most street crime works. It's, you're paying for protection. This diner would be paying for protection. It would also, I think, Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy has, which I think ours needs a little bit different of, is Dick Tracy's fighting crime because that's his job. Yeah. Fights crime. And there are moments in the movie that make it personal. They go after Tess and, you know, the kid gets involved by his own design. But I think we need to to give him reasons along the way. Challenges. I agree with that. So let's talk about Tess. Um, because Tess Trueheart basically, when she had something to do, she was great. But most of the time she was like, oh, Dick, why can't we ever get married? Next scene. So I loved, I love her character. I love that she doesn't, she takes no guff from Dick Tracy. Um, and we need to, but she doesn't up her. Do that much. That's, I want her to be more active. Like, I would love it if she had a job. 
and she's getting hassled by the mob. I could see that. I could see that a lot. Yeah. What, how did you see... Because basically, Tess Trueheart and Breathless Mahoney are the two women in this movie. There are no other women in this universe. I No, I think they have the waitress in the diner. That's true. So, just those three. Just those three. Star Wars all over again. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, they're the... There are more women. There are the backup dancers, and then there's the... Random woman walking down the street with her rich husband, number five. And and other rich women attending parties. It doesn't matter. But the it's the interaction of Tess and Breathless with Dick Tracy that really is the, the, the female arc of the movie. What is Breathless's goal? I, I think Breathless's goal should be this. <laughs> this is going to sound so horrible. Uh, I think Breathless's goal should be the same as in the Dick Tracy movie. She just spots her next bit of power, and for some reason, it's Dick. She does. She sides with him over Big Boy. But let's take that element of her personality. Who am I siding with right now? And bounce her back and forth. We don't know what side she's playing. One minute she's playing Big Boy. One minute she's playing Dick. I don't think we should only have the seduction scenes of Breathless with uh, Dick Tracy. I think uh, she should also be trying to seduce Big Boy. Can kind of control him a little bit. I sort of, I agree with that as well. The other thing I would say is I think Breathless, the way I see Breathless's character is you kind of hit the nail on the head earlier. She has daddy issues. She comes from a broken home. In my version, like the kid can either grow up to be someone who's good, like Tess Trueheart, or someone who's bad, like Breathless. Because again, the kid's female. But like basically, Breathless is, how do I want to word this? I see Breathless as being someone who comes from nothing and is terrified of going back to nothing. Like one of those kind of tropes where she will do anything to retain the power that she's maintained, that she's acquired using whatever she has at her disposal, money, power, sex, whatever, because she wants to maintain, she never wants to go back to the slums, regardless. She will do anything to stay in a life of, of luxury. In our Dick Tracy movie, I see Breathless in the warehouse with lips inside of the box with the concrete about to be poured on him. She's looking at Big Boy, does not break eye contact, and she pulls the lever to pour the concrete onto Lips Manless. I agree. I think that that's far more interesting. And it gives her way more agency. She's like, well, Lips is done. What's the next big thing that I need to hold on to? Now, for Tess Trueheart, I think Tess doesn't necessarily come from nothing. I think that, I don't know, standard middle-class family, and she just found someone she happens to be in love with. And I think Dick Tracy is absolutely in love with Tess Trueheart, but doesn't necessarily believe in the concept of marriage or doesn't want to get killed and have a widow, that sort of thing. I think I think he definitely, yes. He, he sees the job, and the job is very straightforward. I stop the bad guys no matter what. And things like emotions confuse him, because there's no... This is what I'm supposed to do. That right. makes sense. Yeah. That doesn't put her in danger, but at the same time, I'm putting her in danger. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of see Tess as supportive, but also kind of doing her own thing. Like, I want Tess to have her own thing that she's doing. Yes, because she, Tess Trueheart is a fantastic character in the movie with the few moments that she has. She gets a couple lines in. She looks tough, but she's also like, I get it. This is your job. You're doing a good thing. But then falls into the supportive, everyone just wants to protect you. You're awesome. You're amazing. I think we should 
there should be some more conflict. She shouldn't always roll over. And when she sees him kind of like kissing on Breathless, she needs to not just go, I'll disappear and make it easy for you. Yeah, I, like, I would have dumped him immediately. Like, you're kissing some other girl? No, we're done. I don't, I don't deal with that. I, yeah, I, and then he's like, no, 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 no. And I, I think he has to win her back and convince her that he was not interested in, in Breathless. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I think there should be... See, in the Dick Tracy movie, I think Dick wants her to flip on Big Boy, but he's also obviously like, she is gorgeous, I mean, and obvi- I'm distracted. Obviously, Warren Beatty cast Madonna because he had a crush on Madonna. I think they ended up dating. Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, originally, Sean Young uh, was cast as Tess. And she claimed she was fired because Warren Baby tried to sleep with her and she said no. Who's Sean Young? She played um, Rachel in uh, Blade Runner. Oh, I could total, totally see that being exactly how that would go down. Yeah, yeah. But that's, I, that's super skeezy. It is a little skeezy. I want to see our Dick Tracy not just kind of like blank stares when Breath- Breathless walks into the room, but a little bit interested. Yeah. Like, he's not just, wow, she's beautiful and sexy and fierce. He's like, she represents my youth. Remember when I was amazing and I I didn't get slowed down because my ankle's not great when it rains kind of thing? A little bit reclaiming his, uh... I feel like this is a personal story you're telling right now. I mean, Madonna. (laughs) But yeah, I agree. I, I Basically, I just want them to have more to do. And I'm not sure what that is. Madonna's, I think we can kind of figure out. I'm sorry. Breathless's, I think we can kind of figure out. But Tess, I, that one's trickier because I just want her to, I want her to kind of just be like, the, yeah, we're in love. We're dealing with this. It's fine. I know he'll always come back to me. And then when he doesn't, that's like, I feel like that's relationship shattering. Like she sees him kissing another woman. And she's like, no, 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 no. That's not what this was. Absolutely not. She's out. By, by the very nature of Tess's character, she is an accessory to what happens to Dick and an emotional yeah, fallout. And that's, and that's a problem. And I think we just need to cast someone who we give, or our director gives, the opportunity to be a little bit bigger. Yeah. There's this great moment with Tess and the kid where the kid is like, I don't like dames. You're a dame. Dames are bad. Dames. And she just kind of gets a shot into a trash can or she says something a little mouthy or she threatens him in an adorable and both commanding way. And he's just like, huh, maybe I should respect her. And it's just like, we need a couple more moments like that where it's yeah, like, she is true. there, there is a reason she, she and Dick are together, not just because uh, they met at a party and he thought it was convenient. Fair. All right. I'm on board for that. Mm-hmm. Let's get into casting then. All right, let's talk cast. Let, do we want to start with Dick Tracy or do we want to end with Dick Tracy? I think we need to start with Dick Tracy. I think we need to start with Dick Tracy. I, I think our choices for the central character are what falls out the rest of the casting, or at least for me. Yes. You have a Dick Tracy who's probably the expected choice, so let's hear the expected choice and then I'll do the left field choice. Okay, so my Dick Tracy, I'm going to throw this out there right now. The, the actor that I chose... I think is a fantastic actor, and if I ever get invited back to Ideal Remake, he will be in anything, because he is amazing to me and versatile. I went with Idris Elba for Dick okay. Tracy. 
You and everyone else. Obviously everyone else, because he is amazing. So Idris Elba can do grizzled and tough and in your face. And he's got like that kind of like, I've been beaten down, but I'm going to stand back up kind of feeling to him. But also he has had uh, sensitive moments in his, in his shows and mostly like the British stuff. Um, <laughs> we, our movies tend to cast him and make him big and loud. And I have a weird Idris. one for you. In the uh, Untitled Hunchback of Notre Dame project, he's going to be playing Quasimodo. Of course he is. Because he's Idris Elba and everyone wants him to be the lead in everything. Yes. Please tell me it's animated. I don't know. God, I hope so. That would be weird. That would be so weird. You don't hide that beautiful face. (laughs) All right. So I went with Idris Elba. I think he's very strong, commanding presence that you need out of Dick Tracy. I also like that he does, like I said, he could look very weathered, like maybe the job took him down a peg. But at the same time, you know, you've got those couple moments with Kid, with Tess, with, even with Breathless, Breathless, where he's just taken off guard. That's fair. I All can right. run with that. Yeah. I also, mean, Idris Elba. Everyone loves Idris Elba. He is super, super hot. Yes. Which I imagine is a necessity for a character named Dick Tracy. Yeah. Let me tell you about my Dick Tracy, because my Dick Tracy... Idris Elba is about to become an alum of the greater Fast and Furious world. Mine is uh, one of the originators of that world. Because I cast Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, okay. I want someone who is an action star, someone who can fight, and someone who can beat people up, and be tough, and knows how to handle a gun, and like walks into a room and demands respect. But also fights for what's right. Fights for family. Oh my or- god. Or fights fight, fight for doing the right thing. I mean, she's in Fast and Furious. She basically was in Machete, and she, like, she didn't break out as much as Danny Trejo did, but, like, she also did great. She's in Girl Fight, and literally she could be Detective Tracy. And I feel like one of the ways you can get around the the natural misogyny of such a, a macho male-led movie is, well... What if it's not a man anymore? And so that's why I think it'd be interesting. And also that way it's very much. And also one of the other things I wanted to do is because exactly the sort of people who'd be like, you can't cast a woman in something like that are exactly the sort of people that I want to be the tropes that then get exaggerated and created as characters in the various bad guys. Okay. I I can see where where you're going with it. I think it's very fun. Uh, I would like to point out, and I'm in no way accusing, but I would like to point out that you could have a male-led movie and not be riddled with misogyny. We can do that. I'm aware of that, but also I feel like this movie needs more women, and why not this one? Sure. So my my only problem with her is I've seen her rough, I've seen her tumble, um, but I haven't seen a lot of acting range. And maybe I just haven't seen a lot with her in it where she wasn't just... Flipping a car, or flipping a thug, or flipping something. I don't disagree with that, but that's also part of the reason why I want to cast her, because I think that there's an expectation of the sort of character she would play, and then I think that she would be able to also play someone else. Listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't bring her into the room, get a camera on her, and do like a screen test. Like I'm, I'm saying let's move forward. But I have, I have my reservations. Prove oh, me wrong. Sure. Prove me wrong. Idris Elba... American movies tend not to do super well because of the way he is cast. Uh, he, the Lost Tower, Lost Towers, Dark Tower, Dark Tower. Thank you. Sorry, 
Dark Tower, I don't think, did well at all. Yeah, but my understanding is it's also a very bad movie. Well, there is that. But they gave him very little to do, very little to say, besides, you know, swinging guns around. And that's not what Idris Elba is. I mean, watch some of his early work, like Luther. Yeah. Amazing. Which, they're currently in production on Luther and Luther. (laughs) The TV show and the TV movie. Of course they are. Uh... God, they announced a Suicide Squad movie, and he's going to be in it. Yes, he. The, for five seconds, they were talking about him replacing Will Smith, but then they said he's going to be his own character. Which I don't think Will Smith did a bad job. No, I, I think it's not about replacing Will because Will was horrible. I think Will made a very Your good, good friend. Job. Will, what? Your good friend Will, my good friend Will, um, who I have met. I'm going to name drop right now. <laughs> Hanging out with him and Jada, you know. My friends. Um, but it was it was less about recasting Will and more like Will wasn't available. Um, which I think is why we're not going to have Idris Elba as Deadshot. We'll probably get Idris Elba as Bronze Tiger. Which would be amazing. Who? It's a bad guy. Okay. Alright, whatever. Because, yeah, again, obviously Idris Elba would be great. Idris Elba's good at every single thing he does. I'm just encouraging us to do to take a chance. But that's fine. Listen, I'll meet her. Let's bring her into a room. Let's come back. Get a camera. It also may depend okay. on, who, on who we cast for everyone else. Because All right. I think that if we both both cast a little girl for the kid, who's let's your talk, kid? Let's talk about kid. Okay. So, Faith Herman. Tell me about Faith Herman. Faith Herman uh, is the little girl in This Is Us. Okay. She's also in Shazam, which I haven't seen yet because I went and saw Hellboy. I have a picture. I know who Faith Herman is. As soon as you said she's in Shazam, I knew exactly who she is. Yes. And I'm sold. She is fantastic. She's, She's so good. So good. She's precocious and wild and fun. And she's so good in Shazam. If you'd seen it, you'd know. Well, I can tell you that Mila Jovovich is decent in Hellboy. I'm going to tell you about my kid. My <laughs> kid is a direct steal from episode 42 of Ideal Remake when... Uh, Bella suggested, hey, I did some research and found some child actors. I'm like, hey, that child actor is really good. So I have Ivy George. She was on Big Little Lies, but also Paranormal Activity. And she is <laughs> kind of a dramatic actor, but she's a kid. Adorable little kid who you just see and you're like, I don't want anything bad to happen to this kid. Let me pull up a picture of her for you. Pull up a picture. Let me see. But I mean, like, I'm not going to fight too hard on... Oh. You know what's funny? She looks... Just this one photo I am looking at, based solely on this one photo I'm looking at, she looks like she would encompass a lot of what the original kid was. That's why by I Charlie Corzmo. Yes, um, but I think we need to have. I mean, obviously, a obviously I'm going to go with Faith Herman because she's great, and I've seen Shazam. To be fair, when this episode comes out, you will have also seen Shazam because this episode will come out in like a month or so. But still. that's true. Um, but she's just amazing. I think she yes. could have a lot of fun with it. And I think it was, I think it was just a great choice. I, yeah. I can't sell more my choice. Go see Shazam. I will. Available in theaters. I don't know. Not anymore. Not, not anymore. when this episode comes out. Oh, that's true. Available on digital release. Maybe not yet. Maybe not yet. I mean, they do the digital release now early compared to like I mean, the I imagine it's. I mean, imagine they could do it instantaneously. They just don't. They just don't. Because let they me, want people to see it in theaters. Let me ask you something. If you really like a movie, are you going to get the digital release and then the Blu-ray? Or are you going to pull the trigger on only one of them? I don't really buy digital releases. Oh. In fact, I don't buy digital releases at all. 
The I buy, and I don't even really buy Blu-rays because I don't really care about that higher death. I mostly care about just the movie. So I'll normally just buy it on DVD. So like I've got a whole thing of DVDs, and I don't think I've ever bought a digital. I, I've bought, I buy digital releases for research purposes. So like if I'm working on a script or I'm working on a spec, something for the contest, I will get the digital releases just so I can just watch them over and over and like go back and forth and not have to mm-hmm. fast forward. But if it's a movie, I want to own the physical movie because I don't want my computer to get wiped and I lose the digital release. I also don't necessarily have a smart TV. Yeah, okay. All right. I'll accept that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So cool. that's a win on Faith Harmon. Yes. Uh, the next person I have is Tess Trueheart. You went first, on, first, first for Faith Harmon, so I'll go first for Tess. My actress for Tess Trueheart, I know from the TV show Pushing Daisies. She's also an American Odyssey and the Girlfriend Experience. It's an actress named Anna Friel. Friel. And she is wonderful and great. And she's devoted but fierce and just generally delightful and secretly British. And I didn't know. And I I just think she's a fantastic actress. And I think that she is both able to play kind of the devoted companion that we have in sort of that's what we have in Pushing Daisies or early Pushing Daisies but then she's also able to play kind of like the self self-actualized doing her own thing kind of person which we see in Girlfriend Experience and well I guess Girlfriend Experience not really but then like American Odyssey and these other things that she's done I just, and I just like her I, I won't disagree she is fantastic she's a great actress a lot of range I've seen Playful I've also seen Tough I love it I went with at the end of the day, what I think was almost like a carbon copy of Tess Trueheart played by the uh, one for one. Glenn Headley, except someone I could see not accepting just the accessory role. I went with Kate Walsh. Kate Walsh uh, from Grey's Anatomy, early years, uh, but also Umbrella Academy. She played the handler. She is beautiful and fierce. Who did and she play in funny. Umbrella Academy? She's the handler. She's Five's handler, the one with the white wig. I don't remember that. Oh, okay. Got it. She's the the boss at the weird temporal agency. Yes. Got it. She was great. She is great. Ooh, that's a tough call. I like her also. That one's sticky. I don't know. This, that's a, this one's tough because obviously I like both these choices and I don't know who to go with. Mm. Mm. And, um, you, you can't see, listener, but we are currently staring at the two pictures. Or at least I am. Yeah. Trying to play the movie out of my head with both of them at the same time. This is going to be horrible. Kate Walsh will never forgive me for this. I could go with either. I could too. That's my problem. I think both would bring something fun to the role. I agree. Um, I think whereas Anna might be more kind of like, have like kind of this harder quality she can give some of the scenes, Kate might give some snarkiness to some of those scenes. So it's really, do we want a, a... Tess who can stone herself or that fires back with some some snark. Which I think either actress can do either thing. And I'm... I'm in fact, I know both actresses can do both things. And they're both great. Um, honestly, because <laughs> this could go either way, let's also come back to Tess because we'll just see whoever gets whoever gets more choices, the other person will get Tess true hard. I, I would concede, though. I'm just going to say it. I could see uh, Anna probably with either of our choices for Dick. A little easier than I think I might be able to see Kate. 
I could see Kate Walsh, but with both of them too. But I, but I, but I agree that I think Anna Friel. I, I honestly think they both would work for either one. Hmm. Shoot, I know it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Well, so, you told me to do a good job. You did a good job. <laughs> All right, so let, let's uh, let's talk about the next person I have on my list is eighty eight keys, but I feel like the next person on our list should be Breathless Mahoney. Yes, I I don't disagree. Uh, my Breathless. You know, you go first this time. I went first last time. Did you? Yeah. All right, fine. I'll go first this time. So I cast uh, a singer also. As did uh, I. Uh, who hasn't really acted a lot, but I want to give her her one big break because I think she's fantastic. Uh, amazing, sultry, deep, beautiful voice, great eyes, could really burn into your soul. Beautiful, sexy, all the buzzwords. Uh, Dua Lipa. Oh, yeah. I know who that is. Yeah. Can she act? We're going to find out. Uh-huh. My understanding is no. Eh, I've seen two music videos. They weren't the best acting, but it's a music video. Her music is fantastic. She has stage presence. Let's find out. She certainly has confidence. Mm-hmm. I say we bring the, her in her room, get a camera in front of her. Yeah. Get her in front of the camera. Yeah. The, the one thing I will say is that she for sure has the confidence of Breathless Mahoney. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. That was a good, that's an interesting choice. It also adds some much needed diversity to this world. Yes, I agree with that. The oh yeah, my I did not do as much diversity as I should have. Anyway, since my breathless is for sure white, but my breathless Mahoney, one of her first roles is Phantom in the Opera, so she can sing and she's very good. She's also in movies like Day After Tomorrow, and she's. Current, and she's in movies like, uh, oh shoot, the movie about National Lampoon. She's very funny because she's currently enjoying a very well respected and well regarded run in Shameless. Oh, okay. Emmy Rossum. Yes, who is fantastic. Yes. I think that she would be able to kind of, I think she'd be able to play the person who comes from nothing and clawed her way to the top and is going to stay there, god damn it. No arguments. I'll give it to you. All right. Cool. I would have liked it uh, to have a little bit of... We'll, we'll, we'll up our diversity notch somewhere else. Yes. Uh, and Which we have with Faith. Yes. Um, but I will give it to you. I, I, I literally just pulled up a photo and I'm like, can she give me sultry? And the first photo I see is dark, wavy hair. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. The, the, what's the name of the movie? Um, a Futile and Useless Gesture. She does sultry. She does funny... She's great. I, I think she's a phenomenal actress. You have it. It's, it's, I'm, I'm sold. She's great. I will forgive her uh, Dragon Ball. She's in... Oh, God. She's Bulma, isn't she? Yep. That's a shame. That is a horrible shame. That is why I think she is forever, like, stained yeah. in my brain. Um, but she is an incredible actress. Everyone's done horrible things. I mean, that is just really horrible. Yeah. But everyone has done horrible things. I forgive her. In her defense... Before I'd read the script, before I saw what they were going to do, I'd like, you're going to make a Dragon Ball movie? Yeah, I'll be in that. For sure. I would have played Bulma. Yeah. And then, like, oh, I signed the contract. This is bad. We're all white. <laughs> That's not okay. I think they even gave her a tan. Ugh. She was slightly, like, tanned, Bulma. It's not okay. Mm. We're for sure watching a Dragon Ball movie after we finish recording. Anyway... <laughs> Oh, and we also need to figure out how to order lunch. Anyway, let's talk about 88 Keys. Okay, 88 Keys. This is 
Uh, my turn to go first. It is. Because I want someone who can play the piano. I played, wanted someone who can sing. And I wanted someone who could be a real pushover. John C. Riley. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> John C. Riley. Mm. Good old Mr. Cellophane himself. Good old comedy mainstay John C. Riley. Good old walk hard the Dewey Cox story John C. Riley. Okay. So, listeners, 88 Keys was originally played by Mandy Patinkin. Yes. Did a fantastic job. Because Mandy Patinkin is great. Like, I legitimately fantastic. would be fine with it still being Mandy Patinkin. Yes. But that's not the point of the show. I think 88 Keys had like a comb over. He shows up to his nighttime mystery meeting with uh, No Face. I think in like pajama pants. Like this is a pushover. John C. Riley is an interesting choice. Yeah. I like the choice as a Mandy Patinkin evolution. Yeah. I, I with... imagine they're roughly the same age. No, yes. Mandy Patinkin's got to be a little bit older. Well, now, yes. Yes. But I meant like... At the time. Sure. At the time, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It was comparable. I went with something very different. Tell me who you have. So I went with also someone who can can act, play the piano, but I went with someone younger who is maybe starting his career and in my head starting his career and he's a, doesn't want to ruffle anyone's feathers but sees an opportunity and yeah. that's what grabs him. Someone who might not be from like the... A wealthy background or a privileged background. So I went with John Legend. Ooh, John Legend is also a really good choice. Also, can he act? Yes. Yeah. He's what? the only part of La La Land that's not disgusting. <laughs> I like La La Land. Oh my god, it's horrible. <laughs> uh, I like John Legend. John Legend represents to me a very different direction with 88 keys. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's obviously a super different direction, very different direction. He's young. He's, he's coming up as like when, when breathless says you shouldn't have slammed the, the piano on 88 keys, fingers. Cause he's the best pianist in the city. It's because she's an established pianist. Whereas like my 88 keys is, is younger and he's trying to make a name for himself and it's it's maneuvering in this world of gangsters. Ooh, we got a tough one. This here. is another tough one. Um, I'm looking up the age of these two actors. So John C. Riley is 53, and John Legend. My assumption is he's like 38. He's 40. Oh, yeah. I didn't, like I didn't think he was that young. No, but I, he's well. He just looks damn good. Yeah, he looks good. The part of the reason why I went with John C. Riley is because it's a world of. St- stylized characters and weird looking people and i want john c riley to walk in and they go oh what happened to him and like no no that's just his face it's funny you say that i don't i don't think mandy patankin mandy patankin is one of the few actors who had nothing on his face right because he wasn't a gangster no like all the people who like could be good but guys had nothing it was just the gangsters who had like the weird crazy heads and noses and whatever the head of the makeup department had prosthetics built for dick tracy but said it was a shame to cover that beautiful face. Wow. Yep. And she said it to Warren Beatty? I think she said it to a lot of people. Probably cat like hired for every one of Warren Beatty's movies. Yeah. I would like to go with John Legend. Okay. I'm not gonna fight you on it. But I am very impressed by your choice. It's very interesting. I mean, my choice is the correct choice. If we're making the movie today or making it the same way it has been made. I think that that's 
I think that that's who they go with. I think that mine is the correct choice for the way the movie exists as it is now. The reason why I think John Legend is an interesting choice and why I kind of want to go with John Legend is because you might see him as stunt casting and then they keep using him and he keeps being, and he, you see John C. Riley, you know he's going to keep coming back. If you cast John Legend, you think it's, oh, great, of course he's playing the piano, no problem. And then he keeps being a part of it. And like, why are you still here? Because I have this information. Great. All right, let's hear it. Awesome. I want, I want to be surprised that we go to 88 Keys as opposed to, it's John C. Riley. Yeah, we're going to manipulate John C. Riley. Okay. I, I mean, I'll take it just because I want to hang out with uh, John on set. I mean, we did cast two Johns. Yeah, I'm okay with that. So I have three gangsters cast. Let's do those, and then I know you have a couple more people beyond that. I think so, yeah. I've got some... some I have... Oh, no, I'm sorry. I have four gangsters cast. Hit me. I have Lips, I have Big Boy Caprice, I have Flat Top, and I have Numbers. I have Lips Manless, I have Big Boy, I have uh, Flat Top, and I have Mumbles. Oh, so no Numbers. I don't have Numbers, I have Mumbles. Interesting. Because I I wanted to play with Mumbles. And I want to play with Numbers because I think it's funny. (laughs) And also because I'm a bookkeeper, of course I'm going to cast Numbers. Let's start with Lips, the one who's here today, gone tomorrow. So, is it my turn to go first? I think so. I think it is. Okay, Lips, I went way off everything. I gender bent. I uh, went a completely different direction with the race. I think she is hilarious. I went with Wanda Sykes. What? Yep, I went with Wanda Sykes. Interesting choice. Why? I think she can be... Big and ridiculous and comfortable, which is everything Lips was and which is why he was taken down. Here's the thing. I like Wanda Sykes. I think she's crazy and amazing and I think she's very funny. But I think she's the wrong casting for Lips. I think she's the correct casting for Flat Top. Interesting. I want to come back to that. Okay. My Lips manless is Andy Richter. <laughs> Because he's kind of made a career of being the second fiddle. And I want us to think that he's going to be the big guy in charge. And then it just gets immediately offed. And I think that that's funny. And I think that, I think that Andy Richter is actually really funny. And I think he's really smart. And I think that he could totally play the guy who's totally getting just like just shoving food in his mouth. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm just dealing with the thing. And then just like the completely pathetic, no, don't kill me. I had, I was going to be the lead of the movie. It was going to be great. And that's kind of what I want. That's why I thought Andy Richter would be funny. Because it's funny if we kill him. <laughs> For that alone, I will give you Andy Richter. Yeah. With no argument. Awesome. And then we'll throw Wanda Sykes in for our flat top options. Yes. When we get to flat top. We'll yeah. discuss. Uh, now let's talk about Big Boy. Okay. I did cast kind of someone who's who's played bad guys and like leaders of bad guys before. Because he's, I wouldn't say he's a modern day Al Pacino, because he's older than that. But also because I can totally see him being a mob boss who just gets to be a little bit crazier. I mean, after all, he was the rhino. I cast Paul Giamatti. Oh, I'm never going to let you have that. (laughs) I I, I mean, that's the one I I picked. But like, because I also can see him like fully diving in and like fully committing. And... I want someone who they can say, no, no, let, let's let's wheel it back a little bit. Because he can play the dramatic. He's in Sideways. He's an amazing actor. Fantastic actor. And also, 
He likes to just go nuts and have fun. And I want that. I'm going to throw out a really quick caveat for our listeners. We're throwing out some big names here for our cast. But the original Dick Tracy movie was basically cast with Warren Beatty's friends. So that is a huge, huge list of amazing actors that play all these characters. I mean, Kathy Bates is in there as the stenographer for some reason. Uh, which I didn't recast. I think we should just get Kathy Bates to come back. I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, it's our throwback. Yeah. Um, so when we throw out these big names, these are people who are, who are going to do the movie because we told them to. My big boy Caprice, Vigo Mortensen. Aragorn? Yes. Why? Also, we can't cast him anymore. Why not? Said the N-word. Did he? Yeah. He did not handle the press for the Green Book very well. Oh. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Viggo Mortensen, it was like, yeah, no, it's cool. I made a movie with a black guy. It's perfectly okay for me to use this word. Mm. And it's mm. not. He's, he's Aragorn. I thought he did a good job in the movie. I think he's, he's Aragorn. He, I thought he did a good job in Green Book. And I also think that he, he's a good actor. But I also think he's one of those people who's been too popular for too long and thinks he can get away with things that he shouldn't be getting away with. Now, that's a good mob boss. But a bad person to work with. Yes, I did not realize that. I've been avoiding a lot of the Green Book situation because I, I I didn't seek out the Green Book because of how they handled Mahershala's character and the the real human being's family was kind of cut out. So yeah. I had my own issues. So, But that's interesting. The Vigo that I chose was the Vigo from History of Violence. Ah, uh. Now, I can see that. in that movie, he goes from the cool, level-headed family man to the crazy mob guy to the crazy mob guy murderer very well in a way that shocked me every time we got a new aspect of his personality. Now, I am part of the new Hollywood, and I'm going to just cross him off my list because I don't want to work with someone who thinks that they can say whatever they want because they made a movie. I'll make you a deal. If we make Dick Tracy Idris Elba, can we make Michelle Rodriguez Big Boy Caprice? Oh, yes. I like that more. Because in the movies I have seen her in, Mm -hmm. I could see her going from kind of like solemn to crazy sauce. Yeah. Now, to be fair, when she's gone crazy sauce, it's been like to defend her family. Of course. But I think she can very easily segue to crazy sauce because she's crazy. But if we reduce her family to just I only care about me, you're yeah. doing something that affects me? Crazy sauce town. Yeah. Well, no, I'll, I'll buy that. All right. So then I like that. Hmm. I also like that she's younger than Idris, the upstart mob boss. Yeah. Yeah. That makes her taking over... The other mobster is even more interesting. It's a woman. It is. And it's a young woman. And I'm perfectly happy with her still being called Big Boy Caprice. Yeah. Have you been hearing the words about this Big Boy Caprice? Have you heard the rumors about Big Boy Caprice? And Michelle Rodriguez walks in and you're like, yeah, I'm Big Boy Caprice. Are you going to do something about it? No, I like her holding on to the title. Yeah. As if a gender doesn't matter to me. I'm going to slap the ass of Breathless Mahoney, guy, girl, whatever. Yeah. I'm in charge. I'm glad we did this. Yeah, I, I like think, where we went with that. I think that's a good flip. It is a good flip. It makes it makes her backstory even more interesting. I agree. To make her the young upstart, person of color, woman. Ooh, I like all kinds of aspects good, of great. this. Good, great. Wonderful. I'm very happy. 
Also, that makes her killing Andy Richter even better. It really <laughs> does. That very clearly, in a very we-didn't-mean-to-do-it kind of way, flushes out the old guard and ushers in the new one. Oh, yeah, for sure. I love it. Uh, then let's talk about Flat Top. Let's talk about who we have, and then let's talk about, uh, and then we'll throw in Wanda Sykes. Okay. <laughs> uh, my Flat Top is Louis, Louise Guzman. Oh, God, that's an interesting and funny choice. Because he also can do vicious, but he's also very, very funny. And I I also think it would be funny if he walks in and we think, oh, you're big boy Caprice. And it's Michelle Rodriguez. And it's like, no, 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 it's flat top. And also, he just goes crazy. I'm casting him because of his role in community. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's hilarious. I think it's a very good choice, actually. Thank you. I went with Sam Jackson. What? Yes. I love the Sam Jackson in the movies. You have to ignore the Marvel movies where he's Nick Fury. But look at all of his other body of work where he kind of has the crazy eyes, the crazy laugh, and he is just ready to kill people. Are you just casting him based on the hair he has in Unbreakable and Glass? No. Not at all. Because that puffs up, not down. Well, I mean, it puffs up and makes a flat top. It's kind of bushy. Okay, that's I mean, weird. I'm not a huge fan of that. Because, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know he's crazy. I think he's a wonderful choice. But I think he would insist on being big boy. Like, I think that if you cast him, he's going to overshadow whoever you cast as big boy. Well, this is... So, because of the nature of the comic, where Flat Top... Is a big bad. Is like a bigger bad. Um, uh, played in the movie originally by William Forsythe. I could see Big Boy Goes Down in our movie leading for Flat Top at the end of the movie, survives, and rises up. Ah. So I cast Sam Jackson to future-proof his role. Got it. I see. I understand that. I'm I'm giving him the henchman, who's also super interesting, with the promise that he'll get the sequel. Got it. No. Uh, I, but So between Wanda Sykes and Louise Guzman, then... Who, so I'm, Louise I'm, Guzman. Yeah? Louise Guzman. All no. right. If, if we want to take Sam Jackson off the table. But I could also see Louise Guzman not being a big money draw for the sequel, but I, my logic, he could still do the role really well. Absolutely. He could be in charge. Yeah. I love Sam Jackson, but no. <laughs> I, I see it so perfectly... Where it's kind of like the silence, and he just walks up to you, and before he even says anything, you're flinching. Yeah, but I don't want that. I want someone who's loud and brash and crazy. I want the person who walks in and is immediately batshit. As opposed to, like, Michelle Rodriguez, the big boy, who kind of turns it off and on. I want, because Flat Top's insane all the time. I mean, look at Flat Top. Flat Top is fantastic. Okay, but I will give you Luis Guzman. Cool. I like that. I think that's a very interesting casting choice. I think it's a lot of fun, and I think you're right. There might be an element of, and I feel bad because this takes work away from him. Not that he needs work taken away from him, but Sam Jackson might be too big for the role. That's kind of my thing. I think that if he had been in other things, like I, I, I think that if he, if he wasn't such, like, if he wasn't in like the top twenty people on IMDb right now, I would have been okay with it, but. By the way, we're going with Kate Walsh for uh, Tess Trueheart. 
What happened? I've been getting more people, so I'm going with Kate Walsh, and I think Kate Walsh is a more fun pairing with Idris Elba. Ah, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. I think she would stand up more. I think so. And I think that that's, uh, I just find that interesting. Yeah, I'll take it. And I, and I, 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 I've decided that I like the idea of Tess Hart being older. Yes. I, I think it makes her just, gives her the opportunity to have had the years behind her to be the stronger character. And now by years older, we mean like a handful. Yeah. Like this is. But I, I think it's, I think it's better that way. Yeah. So then let's talk about numbers. Hit me. Who did you pick for numbers? Clark Gregg. I'm not even going to fight you because I didn't even recast Numbers. I know. Take it. But let me tell you why I picked Clark Gregg. Tell me. Numbers is kind of the accountant for Big Boy in the movie. And he's one of those people who just kind of like gets, gets keeps getting put in these weird situations. And he's kind of just like the, this blank dude, which Clark Gregg plays very well. But he keeps getting progressively more and more crazy to the point where he just like is gleefully running towards his own death at the end. And he's just like Tommy Gunn shooting as many people as he is. So he's just as crazy as everyone else, but he kept it buried, kept it buried. And then it's just like when he keeps getting more and more opportunities to kind of like reveal the insanity. I want you to see Clark Gregg like, oh yeah, of course he's the accountant. And he just keeps getting wilder and wilder and wilder until finally he's this like wide eyed, crazy looking batshit person. We're not casting your autobiography, Sam. I've got hidden depths, Jay. <laughs> Who knows what I'm capable of. <laughs> I, I will give it to you. Clark Gregg is a fantastic actor, and I would love to see him in more other than the Marvel movies. I agree with that. I mean, he does a lot of indie things. Uh, like, he and his wife produce, like, a lot of, like, kind of their own little indie things that they enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah, it's cute. I mean, you know who he's married to, right? I don't think I do. Uh, I can't think of the name of the actress, but she's Baby in Dirty Dancing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jennifer Grey? I think so. Yes. Jennifer Grey. Yeah, he's married to Jennifer Grey. And so, like, they kind of, like, make their own work and they do their own things. Because he's a writer as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, That's why I like him. I'll tell you. And so you had... Mumbles. Mumbles. So Mumbles... Remind me who Mumbles is. Mumbles was played by Dustin Hoffman. Mumbles was... Oh, I forgot about Mumbles. Mumbles is incredibly important to the plot. He's so good. I completely... I can't believe I forgot to cast Mumbles. He's so good. You were too distracted by what you saw in Numbers, which was fantastic. You saw something very special I didn't see. So Mumbles uh, is a key component to the plot of the movie. He's one of Big Boy's, like, top lieutenants. I wouldn't say general, but lieutenant. Uh, played amazingly by Dustin Hoffman, covered in makeup. Can't really hear his voice at all, a la Mumbles. And I cast someone who has fun with roles like that, Tom Cruise. What? Yep. You want to catch, cast an actual lunatic? Yes. Why? So Tom Cruise is fantastic. I've worked with Tom Cruise before. I've worked on a, a movie with him. And he is an incredible actor, dedicated to the craft, very professional. And I also think slap a lot of makeup on him, just like we did with Dustin Hoffman. Have him, like, mumbling in the background. He would have a lot of fun with it, just like Tropic Thunder. Yes, I can definitely see, like, based on Tropic Thunder and everything. The the problem is that, like, Tom Cruise brings a lot of baggage with him. Tom Cruise just a man. Who is kind of the face of an organization. A lot of people are faces of things. <laughs> this isn't going to be a Scientology movie, Jay. It's not a Scientology movie. It is a Tom Cruise coming in. We probably get him for three days. And we just uh, throw some makeup on his face and make him mumbles. It'll be amazing. I have a lot of faith in this. All right. I'll do it. 
but I have serious reservations about it. We're going to love it. We're, we're, it's going to be the thing people talk about afterwards, because they don't realize it's him until after. That's what I want. It's going to be great. I want it to be one of those things where it's not like, is that Tom Cruise? I want it to be like, that was Tom Cruise? It, it has to be. A lot of people watch you the You know, Dick like Deadpool 2. Yes. Was that, was that Brad Pitt? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was great. I yes. Was like, I, just, you literally get it for two seconds, and it makes me so happy. That's fantastic. And he did it for a cup of coffee. I know. It makes yeah. me so happy. It's beautiful. And I think that's the kind of fun we need to have with Mumbles in this movie. He's such a ridiculous character. That he, said, should we go with Brad Pitt? I don't know. What's Brad up to these days? I legit don't know. But I mean, like... No, because all we're going to be doing is being compared to, to Deadpool 2. That's true. And we're moving into production probably next year. It's too close. Tropic Thunder has had some distance. That's true. You're you right. Know? I agree. Who Did you have any other cast? Because I think you said you also cast the DA. I did. But before we get to the DA, because that, I cast two people we need to have a conversation about. Okay. Just a little bit of funny stunt casting. So Chief Brandon, played by... So you have Chief Brandon and the DA, and those are your last two. I want to say yes. Yes. Chief Brandon and uh, the DA. Uh, Chief Brandon was played by uh, Charles Durning. Fantastic actor. Played the police chief who has no real control over what's happening around him really well. More well-known actor back in his day than now. Uh, I think it would just be funny to get Melissa McCarthy to come in there, sit behind the desk, and act like she has no clue what's happening around her. Fine. Why is that a heavy sigh? Everyone loves Melissa McCarthy. Who Everyone doesn't wants love to her? cast Melissa McCarthy. Who doesn't? People who are I love Melissa McCarthy. I think she should be in as so many things. This role is so this is a favor. Like we have to we have to get Idris to call her. Okay. This is the kind of thing. This is not I thought of another reason why I think it's funny for us to go with Idris Elba. This is now the reason that is, in my opinion, canon as to why we're going with Idris Elba. Because he should have been James Bond this whole time. Oh my god, yes. And like, he should be James Bond. He should. He should be. He's fantastic. Ugh. So he. So this is like knockoff James Bond. Yes. We're going to start the Dick Tracy franchise. He'll get 21 movies and he'll be in all 21 of them. Yes. That's the reason why we're going with yes. Idris Elba. Canon. Yes. So, so Chief Brandon, I'm not blowing up the role. I mean, this is a thing where it's just like people in the audience are going to go... Isn't that Melissa McCarthy? Yeah, she said something funny. Shut up. And that's it. That's just a little bit of fun throwaway casting. Like Kathy Bates as the stenographer. Fine. 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 Whatever. All right. Talk but, to me about your DA. Before we get into the DA, was there anyone else on your list? No, no, no. I'm, until we, I, that was, I'm upset I didn't cat pull someone for Mumbles. Because it would have been better than Tom Cruise. But we're going with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is amazing. You know what? I'll give you a second. Think about it. I can't. I, it's too late. We've, I've already written the name down. We're going with Tom Cruise. What if he calls us back and says he's unavailable? Who's your second choice? For Mumbles? Yes. For Mumbles, who I picked, Tom Cruise. Terry Cruz. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> that is interesting. Because right. he walks in, mm. he's this big guy, and you're like, oh, wow, look at this guy. And then he just... God. Terry Crews. And I don't even have to erase the last name. Mm. It's spelled differently. It's spelled differently. Terry Crews is fantastic. We're still going to go with Tom Cruise because I didn't have someone for this. But if you you gave me this this opening, that's I who I pulled. So Terry Crews is fantastic. I don't know. I kind of like the little man 
confidence that mum that Dustin Hoffman gave Mumbles. I agree, and this is very different. Yeah, I, that that's that's kind of why I went with another way with it because you look at it, it, the little guy talks weird. Here's another problem I have with the Terry Crews casting. He is a fantastic actor. He very much is. So is Dustin Hoffman. Who's Dustin Hoffman? Yes. And because of my like modern love for Terry Crews, I would want to give him something bigger. I would too. So I say we shortlist him, put him on for the sequel, and we get him something meatier. Yeah. Because I think people are just like, well, it's Terry Crews. He's a side bit. I'm like, Terry Crews does not side bit. He needs something. Terry Crews is amazing, and I want him to be in so many things. I also want to see a younger, powerful black man have an opportunity to bounce off of our older, grittier black man and his experience in How the How old do you think Terry Crews is? Uh, 48. God, he's going to be like 311 and just look really good, isn't he? He is 50 years old. Damn, he looks really good. He does. Yeah. The reason why I knew he was older than we expected is because he's in, uh, like, what is it, the original Longest Yard? Oh, wow. He is, isn't he? Terry Crews has been around for a while. Terry Crews is great. He's been in White but Chicks. Yes, I agree. Yes. I mean, that was a mistake. But Well, in the sequel, when we take Dick Tracy to space, we can make Terry Crews one of the space oh people. Oh my god, that has to be our sequel. It does have to be our sequel. Um, okay, but anyway, mm. talk to me about your DA. Okay, so... Tell me about this pitch for two people playing the DA. It's not two people playing the DA, I just couldn't pick and I need your help. Ah, okay. Okay, so DA Fletcher, originally played by Dick Van Dyke... Doesn't have this huge role, but kind of like Dustin Hoffman, it takes you a second to realize, is that Dick Van Dyke? Yeah. And fantastic actor. So do I go with the safe choice, the modern Dick Van Dyke, which is Tom Hanks, or... No, no you don't. Do I go with Ellen? Neither of those. What? No, absolutely not. We're making three different movies here. The modern Dick Van Dyke is not Tom Hanks. Ooh. Dick Van Dyke is a song and dance man, and that's not who Tom Hanks is. Really? Did we forget his amazing performance in Big and his background in comedy? Tom Hanks started in some redonkulously comedic roles and then bit his teeth into drama. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying song and dance. Mm. Dick Van Dyke is... I. Dick Van Dyke is forever associated with musicals for me. Hmm. Hmm. And I see Dick Van Dyke, I would be a lot more likely to make the DA Kristen Chenoweth. But, like, a modern Dick Van Dyke is, like, a modern person who can, like, sing and dance and do amazing different things. And so I'm trying to think of, like, modern actors who, I mean, and again, you, like, you make up them to hell and, like, you, they, they're not recognizable. No, not at all. You couldn't tell who D.A. Fletcher was. But I feel like there are other comedians that you could pull for something like that. Hmm. Well, if... Our comparison of what Tom Hanks is or is not aside, I think he would make for a very interesting D.A. Fletcher. Or Ellen. I can't I can't tell. I can see both. But but makeup Ellen vest, suit jacket. Don't say she's a man, don't say she's a woman, she's just Ellen as DA Fletcher. We don't need the mustache. But get the long cigarette holder and whole nine yards. Tell you what, do you want to make the DA do a leapa? <laughs> No. <laughs> that would be a ridiculously sexy uh, DA. <laughs> I mean, what they're trying to sell as the modern day Dick Van Dyke is Lin-Manuel Miranda, because he's the song and dance man who can do comedy. I'll take him. Let's make Lin-Manuel uh, 
the DA, God, scheduling this movie is going to be a nightmare. We'll probably only get him for like a day. We only need him for a day. And we only need him for a day. All right, let's go with Lin-Manuel. I like that. That's an interesting choice. And he can sign my Hamilton... CD? Record? CD. T-shirt? Record. Poster? From the, from the show. It has all the names of the actors. Program. He can sign my <laughs> Hamilton program. <laughs> Good. That's a great choice. All right. I'll take him. So then, let's get into writer and director. Now, I have a writer slash director. Hit me. And you have a writer and a director? I don't have a writer. I just have a director. Oh. So I apologize. I'm going to take a second to think about the writer. Okay. You won't need to. Mine's great. It's perfect. Okay. Tell me. Because we need that stylization. We need someone who's able to create a interesting looking world who can, who can do the comedy, but who can also do the drama and who can tell a compelling story. Which is why the correct person for both writer and director is Brian Fuller. Huh. I'd like to point out to the gentle listeners that Sam keeps saying the correct answers. Uh Uh-huh. Why does he even have a guest (laughs) if he's so amazing? Because it's weird for me to just sit in a room and talk to myself. That's why the (laughs) mini episodes are so short. I will give you Brian Fuller as the writer. I'm Okay. But I want to see someone else direct. Okay, tell me who you want to direct. I want to see Patty Jenkins direct. Interesting. Why Patty Jenkins? I, I love her body of work. I also think she's very interesting. And I would say, even though this is going to be a big blockbustery, chock full of sequels kind of thing, that I would give her uh, the control that she might not have in other places. I'll give that to you, but I want to look something up first. Please. My backup to her was Michelle McLaren. I don't know who that is. Uh, she's done like Game of Thrones and she was in the running for Wonder Woman before Patty Jenkins. Interesting. But I like Brian Fuller to write it. Okay. So, writer, Brian Fuller, director, Patty Jenkins. Who I think has a very, not just a unique eye, but would give us a different viewpoint. But I want to throw in one person who I don't know if you have a production designer, but I want to give us a production designer. Hit me. Because part of the reason why I pulled Brian Fuller is because the world of Pushing Daisies specifically is so amazing. And just, like, it's all these weird-looking people and weird designs, and I think that that's the sort of thing that was honestly before its time. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that the production designer on Pushing Daisies, and there's just one, is also a production designer on, I think this just says Men in Black 2. But I'm fine with that. That's amazing. Michael Wiley is a production designer who has designed aliens and designed all sorts of things. And assuming this guy's still alive... The last thing he did was, oh God, he was production design on Nine Lives, the Kevin Spacey cat movie. Oh, that's not his fault. That's just a job. Really? But he's also production design on Legion. And Legion is a fantastic television show. I, I'm, I'm looking oh, at his- and Agent Carter. I'm looking at his IMDb page right now. Uh, I love the- And Grimm. Yes. Well, I love the darkness of Grimm. I love the period quality that he gave Agent Carter- and I love the kind of trippy, you don't really get it, but you've got it, ambiguity of Legion. Yeah. Like, they made some fantastic production design choices that gave you just something a lot of fun. And, of course, Pushing Days is beautiful. Of course. And But because we made such an, a fuss about production design earlier, I feel like that's something that we should also do. And it's just now occurring to me, and I'm that that's my pick. Do you have someone else in mind? Or? No, I think this is a fantastic choice. Okay. Um, also, if which we're going to be owned by Disney, obviously. But if he did uh, Agent Carter, then he's already Disney approved, so we're good to go. Love it. Yeah. 
Not any kind of problems there. Alright, let me take you through who we've got. Let's go. Dick Tracy, starring Idris Elba as Dick Tracy. Kid will be played by Faith Herman, and I'd be okay if she just makes her name Tracy. I'll take that. But Dick Tracy Jr. is weird, and I don't like him. Tess Trueheart will be played by Kate Walsh. Breathless Mahoney will be Emmy Rossum. 88 Keys will be John Legend. Lips Manless will be Andy Richter. Big Boy Caprice will be Michelle Rodriguez. Flat Top is Louise Guzman. Mumbles is Tom Cruise. Numbers is Clark Gregg. The Stenographer is Kathy Bates. For our DA, we have Lin-Manuel Miranda. And Chief Brandon is Melissa McCarthy. All of this will be written by Brian Fuller. Directed by Patty Jenkins. And production designed by Michael Wiley. That is Dick Tracy. I think that is an ideal remake. Jay, are you going to go see this movie? I am going to go see this movie. Thank you for helping me remake it. Now tell me, where can people find you on the internet? What would you like to promote right now? Um, it's a podcast. you got to do some self-promotion. i got to do some self-promotion. Uh, I'm going to send people to my website that I do need to update, and this is a good reason to get ahead of that before they actually get there. jhannafilms.com. Just a little bit about me. Just a little Spell me. that. J-H-A-N-N-A-F-I-L-M-S dot com. The reason why I say that is because we've been saying J, and people might assume J-A-Y instead of just the letter J. Yeah, no, A-Y is pretentious. I don't go with the A-Y. <laughs> <laughs> A-Y. Um, so you can find a little bit about me there, some of my past works, and I don't know where my future will take me, but we'll figure it out. We've got something we want to work on together. That's true. So, By the time this comes out, it actually might be in production or working towards that. I think we'll be on our seventh production meeting. I'm very excited about it. I think it. so. Not the fifth and sixth. I think that's no. where a lot of our arguments will come in. I agree. But the seventh is where we really pull it together. Absolutely. Yes. No Twitter, no Instagram you want to promote? No. Really. I mean, you can find me at j.hannah.username as I occasionally post a photo of my dog. She's adorable. She's pretty cute. She is adorable. <laughs> okay, okay, she's adorable. I'm sorry. Okay, and if you want to follow me, I'm at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H on Twitter. And on Instagram and on Twitter, we're at Ideal Remake, spelled like it sounds. Uh, and Or you can follow us on Facebook at Ideal Remake or the Ideal Remake podcast. And if you... Take the time to leave a review. We would really appreciate that. But mostly, if you could tell one person in your life about this show this week, I would really appreciate it. And I would love you for it. I'm going to tell, like, two people. That's how excited I am about this. Thank you. You're a good friend. Thank you. I just want to take this quick moment to thank our host, Sam, for putting this podcast together. It's a lot of fun. People love movies. People love to imagine who they see. If there is a way to do it, uh, leave comments. Tell us who you are could see in the roles because i'm curious yeah and um thank you for having me you're very welcome i'm gonna cut all that out okay <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being a guest and now i need to come up with like when i was looking up like quotes from dick tracy for like things to use for the intro there aren't that many like memorable quotes from this movie there aren't like good like pull lines so like what's your favorite quote from dick tracy Ooh, all's fair in love and business benjamin franklin <laughs>